0: Dear friends, we are coming now to one of the most uh, interesting panels of our forum. Actually, every panel of our forum has been very interesting, but the banking sector, the banking sector is clearly the core uh, activity in in the Greek economy, uh, an activity of vital importance. And we are blessed to have with us today uh, a panel with the uh, CEOs of uh, the four Greek systemic banks, we have Martin also from the ECB and um, and we have uh, AJ who is going to uh, moderate this panel. Um, I will not say much more. I, all these banks have been great supporters of our efforts uh, every year. I would like to thank them all for their support and contribution. Uh, please allow me to thank uh, uh, Pireos Bank for being the platinum sponsor of our event. And of course, uh, EY for being a gold sponsor year after year. So thank you very much. Um, let's delve into the discussion. This is one of the top uh, in discussions of our forum as evidenced by the uh, attendance. So let's go ahead. Thank you.
1: Well, good afternoon, everybody. Nicholas, thank you very much for that very kind introduction. And I know that as EY, we're delighted to be long-term supporters of this event. And, and what a panel we have ahead of us. I think it has been said many times, probably at this same event, that the year ahead is a critical one for Greece. And I, I guess we will make that statement once again, that the year ahead is once again a critical one for both the Greek economy and the Greek banking system. But I, I think in making that introduction, we actually are at a point of inflection because there are three forces that I would love to hear the perspectives of both Martin and all of our CEOs of the banks. And that is firstly, how has everybody reacted, absorbed and dealt with what has been one of the, the greatest shocks and you know both health, both economic and financial shocks that we've ever seen. And generally there, I think, you know, Greece has an amazing story to tell. The second is the speed and acceleration of the cleanup. But thirdly and critically, how do we look to rebuild both the future economy and the future banking system that can support future economic growth? Um, I'm delighted that the format that we're going to be following is firstly, to get a bit of an overview from Martin in terms of how he sees from his kind of uh, vantage point, the Greek banking system. And then what we are going to be fortunate to have is some perspectives from each of uh, the bank CEOs touching on the post COVID response, digital transformation, MPE reduction, and the future banking business model. And then we'll move on to a and A. It's a pretty packed agenda. I'm really looking forward to it. And with that, Martin, if I could kindly hand over to you first.
2: Thank you, Ajay. Thank you for that, uh, for that introduction and uh, thanks for having me uh, here at this uh, in this panel. Um, what I would like to do is to give you, um, say, a brief overview of how I see, uh, the, the, say, the, the growth and development outlook of the of the Greek economy. And before I start doing that, I thought it might be good to take a step back just to set the stage and uh, look at the, the Greek financial system from, say, a longer-term perspective. There are three things, actually, that I wanted to to mention here looking at it from a euro area um, uh, perspective and focusing really on the link between the financial sector and the macro economy now the first thing that that struck me when I when I started looking at this is that uh, is, is the, um, the the low uh, corporate investment rate in Greece uh, significantly lower as a percentage of GDP than the rest of the euro area um, and that investment gap is not just say crisis related but it already existed before 2010 now that is a say, a long-standing feature that is relevant for the financial sector. It could point to, say, a lack of, of, of demand for financing, but it could also point to, say, financing constraints that uh, that exist. So that's one thing. The second uh, feature, long-standing feature that, that, that struck me is really the, the, say, the size of the financial system. It's relatively small. It's been relatively small relative to other Euro-area countries, and it's relatively strongly dominated by banks. Uh, so other types of financial institutions like, like insurance companies, investment funds play a relatively minor role. And, and related to that, also financial markets play a relatively limited role in, uh, in, in channeling, say, resources from savings to, uh, to, to investment. Third thing that, that, that stands out in my view here that I wanted to mention is really the financing structure of Greek firms. So Greek firms tend to have relatively high uh, debt-to-equity ratio. They tend to rely relatively little on equity, um, which, which, which means that yeah, bank credit is very important as a source of external uh, external finance for, for firms. And for large companies that may not matter that much because they have uh, alternative uh, sources of funding, but for small and medium-sized companies that is really uh, important. And, and that is all the more important when you look at the structure of the Greek economy. When you look at the for example, the, the, the European Commission's um, uh, annual report on SMEs that, that shows that something like nine out of 10 workers, uh, almost nine out of 10 workers in Greece work for an SME. So that's the highest in the Euro area. So so my takeaway from, from these three features is really that first, the banking system is really important for the Greek economy and therefore for jobs and, and, and economic growth. And second is that uh, there is a potential for, 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 for the Greek financial system, for the Greek banking system for further development both in terms of say its role in in financing the real economy um but also in terms of say the range of services it, it provides um now any discussion about say potential uh the potential for the for, for the financial system has of course in recent years been overshadowed by the need to recover from the crisis and we all know very well that the key challenge has been the the, the need to deal with the Non performed loans that are very high, something like 36 uh, percent at the moment from the total loan portfolio, compared with something like three percent in the euro area on average. So that's all well known. I think what is slightly less well known, especially internationally, is really that a lot of progress has been made in reducing NPLs recently. Uh, when, when you look at, for example, at the compared with the end of 2018, uh, something like 25 billion of, of, of NPLs have been uh, have been reduced, have been taken away from bank balance sheets, which is almost a third of the stock of, of NPLs that existed at that time. So that's a significant uh, improvement that should be should be acknowledged. But clearly, and, and as ECB, we've we've emphasised this uh, many many times. We see this as the priority number one, and it remains the priority uh, number one for the for the banking system. Not just because the NPLs weigh on, on the banking system itself but also because they, they have important macroeconomic implications. Um, and so reducing these loans is, is is crucial in an economy that is suffering from an, uh, from an investment gap. Um, now, we know very well that economies cannot grow without credit, at least not in a durable way. Um, these kind of creditless recoveries can happen. There's a lot known about this in the emerging market literature, for example, but it's not the type of recovery that you want to have because the, these type of recoveries tend to be weaker, they tend to be less sustainable uh, than normal recoveries, and that's often because of a lack of financing that holds back investment. Um, and often these recoveries are driven by, by external sources of financing. Now, that is likely to happen also in, 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 in the coming year, of course, with the European uh, support, um, uh, the, 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 the EU's recovery and resilience plan. But of course, that cannot substitute for uh, the role of the, of the banking system. Um, now, uh, one other thing that I wanted to emphasize is really the, 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 the point, is, is, is the, the science of, I mean, you know, we've been very much focused on, say, um, preserving finance, favorable financing conditions in the Euro area, and of course also in, in Greece, uh, but there's still signs of bottlenecks in the, in the access to, to credit in the, in the private sector, especially among small and medium-sized companies. I and mean, we have a survey together with the European Commission, um, uh, on the access to to finance of enterprises that shows that uh shows for example the most recent one came out just last month i think it showed that four out of ten smes face face difficulties in accessing financing uh and 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 something like 30 percent of, of those that applied for for a loan uh for a loan um, uh, 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 managed to receive the requested uh, amount so um that is that is um, is relevant. It's a long-standing feature. It's not something related to the pandemic, but it, we've seen a, a similar picture for, for, for some years. So uh, and 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 related to that, something like a third of the Greek SMEs that do not use bank loans uh, attribute that to high to high interest rates compared with 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 ten percent in the in the euro area, um, and, and and bank lending rates remain relatively high, uh, even though especially for firms they've come down now. There are very good reasons for having uh, for, for 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 slightly higher interest rates increased. The risks are higher, um, so that is definitely um, uh, very understandable. But it is it is a point that we uh, I think that deserves attention that we need to need to, to monitor. Now, um, despite say the crisis legacy burden that the, the, the banking system has been dealing with. I think that the, the pandemic experience has shown that the, the Greek banking system is, is very well able to provide credit I mean, helped by both national and, and European policy measures, including the measures taken by the ECD. uh, I think the, the banks this year have really acted as, 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 as shock absorbers by providing liquidity to the private sector uh, that was hit by the, uh, by the economic implications of the pandemic and importantly i think also there the greek authorities have implemented i think some some very helpful support measures that have helped the banks um, to to uh, expand their lending to uh, to the to the corporate sector and if you look at growth lending growth at the moment to the corporate sector the non-financial corporate sector is as high as it as it as it, ha- as it has been in 10 years so it's uh, it is really um, um, i think that's been extremely helpful but at the same time we see that and we look at for example our own uh, bank lending survey, uh, we, we see a very strong increase in the demand for credit uh, among firms. So uh, I think a, a key challenge going forward there is really to find the right balance between say, providing the, the necessary liquidity uh, support to, to viable firms while uh, avoiding uh, a buildup of, uh, of, of unsustainable debt in, in, unvi- in unviable firms. So, um, but that's a topic. I mean, I, 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 let me put that as an open question, because I'm sure that uh, my, my uh, fellow panelists have, have a lot more to say uh, about that. Uh, one, one other open question there related to the pandemic is really how many new MPLs will be created uh, because of the decline in, in economic activity. And uh, so far we've seen, of course, we've had regulatory measures, so bank level measures, especially the, the moratoria on, on, uh, on debt payments that uh, have delayed that increase in, in MPLs. But uh, I think it's, it's going forward, it's crucial there that the banks handle that officially, that transition from moratoria to, to performing loans. Now, it's, it's very difficult to say um, what will happen there, but simply because a lot will depend on the future evolution of the pandemic and uh, of the recovery in economic activity, and of course also on policy measures, and, and importantly on, on the MPL reduction strategies of the banks themselves. So um, I'm sure that will come up in the in the panel as well. Now let me let me conclude. I think that significant progress has been has been made uh, to address the banking system's cha- challenges in difficult circumstances. So we have the NPL reduction, we have the, the, the liquidity support that we've seen during the pandemic, but also on the policy front, we have uh, I think seen seen important progress. I think, for example, here of the adoption of the insolvency framework uh, not so long ago. Now. Having said that, I think that we still have significant legacy issues, clearly, of course, we all know that, and we have new challenges. So what I would be looking at, say, going forward is really that in the short term, I think it will be very important to see how the banking system deals with the pandemic impact. Um, and there, yeah, authorities and banks will will, will have to decide on, on, on how to extend liquidity support, and but also eventually how to deal with the debt that is created there. Uh, so that is an important uh, um, question going, uh, going forward. And then, um, yeah, as the recovery sets in, then the, 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 the nature of the, the credit provision, of course, need to shift from liquidity support to financing, more productive investment. very final word, um, more for on the medium term, uh, is, um, yeah, for us, the overarching goal, when we talk about, when we discuss these issues, is really to restore or strengthen uh, the intermediary role of the of the banking system in supporting economic growth. So that uh, once and once uh, uh, balance sheets have been strengthened, bank balance sheets have been strengthened, uh, and the reforms uh, under the, the enhanced surveillance process that we have, the commitments uh, that Greece has made uh, to the Eurogroup, uh, once these you know these are being have been addressed and are being addressed, and I think that the banking system has a clear uh, potential. To, to become one of the key engines of economic growth and, and we shouldn't forget that there's a great opportunity of course uh, given the the European help European support that is uh, partly coming still and 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 of course there's also been already a lot of European support in the form of say the monetary policy measures the in the prudential easing that we've seen earlier this year thank you
1: so Martin thank you very very much for that very insightful overview of, of kind of I, I guess the lie of the land and I guess you know, actually a a pretty good report card in terms of some of the important developments that have been taking place, but also recognising some of the challenges. So I guess let's unpack that a little bit and look at some of the key themes that are going to be impacting the market. So Christos, if I could first start with you, Um, Martin described Greek banks as shock absorbers, that they'd essentially manage some of the impact on the economy and of individual borrowers. How has it felt? providing that shock kind of absorbing facility. And and how do you see the evolution of this? And and as we move into a post COVID environment, how banks can contribute to the response?
3: Uh, Thank you, AJ and uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Very quickly, just to say that uh, in uh, 2020, being uh, that very peculiar year, uh, the Greek banks responded uh, with responsibility, I would say. Uh, and uh, as uh, Martin put it uh, very rightly, is the first time in the last 10 years that we have already observed January to October credit growth, net flows, positive credit of about 3.6 billion uh, coming into the Greek economy. This sets the scene of uh, what's going to happen in uh, 2021 because this growth is uh, important and significant for uh, all, all those corporates and, um, uh, uh, and uh, SMEs that are going to survive uh, and uh, uh, start growing in 2021. This is a result of two things, private credit that was extended by the banks on the one hand, and uh, significant initiatives by the official sector that were facilitated through the networks of the banks. So that is the first and important thing for uh, uh, for, for the Greek economy. The second is What EU has created for the first time, the Recovery and Resilience Facility and the EU Next Generation Fund, which in the case of Greece is exactly playing in the Greek playbook. There is 32 billion that uh, will be coming uh, from uh, uh, the EU into Greece over the next five to seven years, exactly in sectors and areas where the Greek economy Uh, has uh, uh, an advantage. So we're talking about energy, we're talking about green economy, we're talking about digital transformation of uh, the uh, private sector and the public administration, agricultural production, upgrade, technological economy, all these areas that uh, Greece is is, uh, investing money and this, is going to be quite significant and could possibly contribute to north of 3% growth per annum in GDP, where it's actually fully deployed. Of course, there will be some delays and we know, but this is where the banks now can also play a role here. So for next year, what can we do? We can provide bridge financing that will allow Greece uh, to start the implementation of the program as soon as possible. We can provide technical expertise and risk management tools, which are very important for the deployment of uh, the uh, uh, EU Next Generation Fund and uh, critical to the whole program as it's being unveiled. And of course, with the financing of the 2.5 billion loans, which could possibly be leveraged by the private sector in equity and additional funding from the banks, we could have a significant impact in what happens in, uh, in 2021. 20, uh, uh, I take a lot of comfort from the fact that uh, uh, credit has been for the very first time in, in 10 years, shown a net positive contribution to the economy to the tune of 3.6 billion. The effort will continue in 2021 and, uh, and uh, uh, I do expect that this will uh, have a positive effect in actually managing the flow of uh, NTEs coming out of the pandemic, uh, which will start being uh, recognized in, in 2021 in the first two quarters. But all in all, the Greek banks have uh, a significant role to play extending credit to the economy it's a crucial part of uh, building up again a growth rates of north of 4% that we expect from 2021
1: onwards. Christos, thank you very much for that. So clearly the role of credit creation and supporting the economy is critical, but I guess at the same time, banks have had to adapt and the world that we live in has changed pretty dramatically, uh, not least as evidenced by the conference that we're all partaking in uh, on Zoom right now. Uh, And if I turn to to Paul, um, it would be, I would really appreciate your perspective on on the digital transformation journey that you see taking place and how banks have to kind of react and respond to that.
4: Thank you very much. Um, I'll begin by Describing what I think the forces are that are acting on banks uh, worldwide and pushing us all towards, uh, towards digital. Uh, first, we and this is pre-COVID. This has been something, these forces have been in place past four, if not more, years. First, we have the low interest rate environment. That is forcing us to uh, both reduce costs Find new sources of income. Okay, that that's been in place for a while, and it will be in place for years to come. The way we see things, two is regulation. Uh, most importantly, PSD two is allowing uh, customers to provide uh, our data, bank data, their data, to uh, to to other players, including non-banks, but also to to our competitor banks. Three the competition is broadening. It's not just other banks. It's new banks, it's fintechs, it's big tech like Facebook, Google, other industries, telecoms, even supermarkets in the UK. So uh, all of a sudden it's uh, it's, uh, a a wide field out there. Um, There's a tech evolution. The speed of change of technology is mind boggling. Uh, and I guess the most important factor is customer behavior. They're used to a level of service from other providers, mostly uh, uh, fintechs, uh, telecoms, etc. And the bar has been raised for, for banks. They have to match that. So these are the five forces that have been in place for several years, forcing banks to the digital space rapidly. Now, let me turn to Greece. The Greek banks have made steady progress on digital, uh, quietly, and I think uh, surprising to many people. Again, pre-COVID. We've started with uh, awareness, making aware of the customer of our those new services to the digital channels, educating them. We spent a lot of time on that. Uh, we spent a lot of time on uh, engagement. I making them use these services Continuously. This is through notifications, is one main example, through apps like uh, PFMs, which allow them to manage their budgets. Uh, then we've gone to sales, and we are now offering several products digitally, cards, most importantly, time deposits, and now we're even going to simple loans. Uh, and then other services for the customer experience, such as onboarding, digitally onboarding that you can open up an account without going to the bank at all. So I think that uh, people don't realize how much Greek banks have moved on the digital space. And just to to put some uh, facts there, there's an annual survey from Deloitte, Digital Banking Maturity, and the Greek banks are in the second tier, okay? There's the first tier, top 10% called Digital Champions, and then there's a digital smart followers. That's where the great banks are. And uh, I'm proud to say that MBG is, is near the top of the, just short of digital champion. So we have done a lot, all the banks. Uh, and I think we'll do a lot more in the years to come. Here's where COVID comes in. COVID is going to force us to move much faster than we expected. It's it's forced, that's mainly because our customers are gonna force us to move faster than we expected. Uh, Rapid change in customer behavior, and it's not gonna go back, I think, after COVID disappears. People have liked doing business far away from (laughs) from the branches, and they will continue to do so. Cash transactions are now below 10%, and I think they'll remain there. Uh, Digital users, active users, up over 200 times, almost tripling in the past uh, few months. And I think uh, they will continue to use uh, digital and mobile channels. So, where are we going? A few words going forward, because I think uh, this will be touched on by, by Fokirna, so I don't want to uh, steal his thunder. There's a new digital norm. It's here to stay. It's not quite formed, still unshaped. We're not quite sure what it's gonna be, but it's gonna be digital. And banks have to change fast if they want to survive. We have lots of people nipping at our business, as I mentioned earlier. We need to focus on speed, simplicity of service, and the customer experience. We've got to leverage on, on big data and data analytics, both for credit decisions, for uh, campaign uh, formulations, etc. Uh, back offices have to be made more linear, more automated, more robotic. Um, the branches will focus on mostly advisory; they call it life coach in the in the uh, in the consulting space. Okay. but uh, simple transactions will disappear. This will require a different type different type of enablers. Our people will have to be trained to be different, to be the advisors and not transactors. Uh, and our systems, our IT systems, if upgraded very rapidly to be able to accept these changes. That's another big change uh, and challenge. Finally, I think I want to focus on two risks that are gonna be much bigger in, in the future Number one, cybersecurity. We're not going to be sleeping as, CPOs, as CEOs because of this. We're going to be worried about phishing. We're going to be worried about data being big data thefts. This is going to be on our top of top of the line for the years to come, and our reputation as banks is going to be at risk. And here's where our comparative advantage is to everyone else: is that we are respected, we are credible, we are trustworthy compared to, to newcomers. But it would lose that due to we could lose it easily due to cybersecurity. And finally, we're going to have to deal with the regulator, who is putting limits on outsourcing, putting limits on the use of of cloud services, and we're going to have to work with that so that we are not at a competitive disadvantage. We also have the use of recovery funds that Christos mentioned in Greece. There's a large amount that's dedicated to digital, and we will need all of us, including the banks, to use this to. all the things i just described and with that i'll stop thank you
1: well thank you very much i mean one of the things i've always found fascinating was that in many ways the people most exposed to covid were the elderly and there we saw perhaps not as fast adoption of technology and we've seen a transformation in that in many ways and that's not just in banking but across retail because there was very much a need to but once you start doing it and become accustomed to it, the fear kind of goes away and and that kind of is reflected in in changing customer behaviour. But I mean, with one eye to the future, we also need to have one eye to the past and and continuing to accelerate and make progress in cleaning up non-performing loans and and legacy-related matters. Um, But Julius, I I mean, all banks have been ploughing ahead and making great strides in this area and I know that you have, you know, you're very much uh, in a very live position at the moment in respect of that. But it would be great to get your perspective to the extent to which you can share it with us around both the, the market evolution around MPE reduction and, and how you're approaching it.
5: Well, Thanks, AJ. Uh, I think I should start by expanding a bit um, the horizon uh, that we should look at in order to monitor the progress uh, compared to what Martin has said. Um, I mean, since uh, 2016, the Greek banks have made substantial progress in addressing their legacy NPE portfolio. We have been able to reduce NPEs by almost 60%, and that is 40 billion, reaching 68 billion by the end of 2019. This reduction was driven on the one hand by organic reperformance efforts, including the provision of debt forgiveness, with a view to bringing debtors into viable territory. On the other hand, For the non-viable part um, of our books, the Greek banks engage into liquidations of real estate and outright sales of loan portfolios. Um, We have to know that the vital condition precedent for this cleanup of the balance sheets was the establishment of the Greek servicing market that would underpin the sale of domestic NBs in the secondary market. And here I must highlight the fact that Alpha Bank was the first to establish a servicing company licensed by the Bank of Greece. It was called Sepal and uh, has successfully completed aggregate portfolio sales of 8 billion. Then the next big milestone in addressing the NPL issue in Greece was the setup of an asset protection scheme by the Greek government, which was codenamed Hercules in November, 2019. That was the catalyst to enable jumbo securitizations. Ever since we're witnessing a flourishing of such transactions. Eurobank has already completed two such securitizations for circa 9 billion. At Alpha Bank, we are about to sign for the securitization of another 10.8 billion, and Paris and National Bank of Greece have embarked on securitizing a total of 13 billion. So this takes the securitization of NPEs at an impressive 33 billion within a course of less than two years. Let me give you a bit of an insight. We at Alpha Bank did two things to prepare ahead for transacting in large clips in NPLs. The first was to thoroughly work on all relevant aspects that investors look at in order to take comfort from the data that they want to see in those situations. The second was to intensify the dialogue with US investors where both the know-how and the capital for this transaction resides. And this has proven to be the right strategy as we built credibility with them, starting with the setting up of Cepal with Bridge, then selling large business loan portfolios to Apollo and Fortress, and now being in discussions with Davidson Kempner to sign Galaxy, which will include taking up CEPAL, which will be one of the largest services, not just in Greece, but also in Southeastern Europe. Clearly, these investors have taken a positive view on the recovery of the Greek real estate market. And if you allow me a final word on Galaxy, it's going to be the second largest rated NPL securitization in Europe. And we're proud of relaunching it immediately after the first lockdown and driving the transaction throughout the second lockdown. This does reflect positively on our operational readiness and on the attraction of our servicer, but also on the significant uplift that Greece as a brand has experienced given the handling of the pandemic and the propensity to reforms that the government is demonstrating. Now, let's shift our focus also to the challenges that Greek banks are are having in their effort to bring down their NPEs to the level of their European peers. Clearly, the first challenge is the performance of the loans in moratoria which have been offered to borrowers in full compliance with EBA guidelines to alleviate the short-term pain of the lockdowns. This makes circa 15% of the Greek banks' performing loans. We feel there are some strong mitigating actions underway that will allow to avoid cliff effects relating to the lapsing of this moratorium. Firstly, we need to bear in mind that the Greek government has undertaken decisive action to support the economy by implementing a fiscal and liquidity stimulus of circa 30 billion, three This should allow for sustaining a solid level of growth for 2021, as it will underpin consumption and expectation building. In addition, retail borrowers will benefit from state-subsidized installments for three quarters under the so-called Yefira program, while business customers have already been benefiting from state-sponsored loan programs, aiming to replenish their working capital. And finally, We need to stress the operational readiness of Greek banks who have been maintaining an active dialogue with their customers throughout the lockdowns and they are now timely offering new products with adequate repayment schedules that cater for customers anticipated reduced cash flows over the next couple of years. For these reasons, we felt confident that Greek banks' impact from moratoria migrating to NPLs will be contained. Now, another challenge may come also from the recent Eurogroup's decision on bringing forward the establishment of a common backstop to the single resolution fund to the beginning of 2022. This will mean increased pressure on high NPL countries like Greece to meet the 5% NPL threshold. However, also on this point, there may be some important mitigating initiatives. Firstly, we have seen today the European Commission unveiling a plan for the establishment of national asset management companies that will allow for a swift take up of newly created NPLs. This coincides nicely with an initiative from Bank of Greece to create an AMC that we understand that relevant discussions with the government are well underway. Then a second initiative is that the Greek government is already working on extending Hercules so that more NPE transactions can be accommodated. And finally, I want to make a brief comment on potential constraints for the NPE reduction where we often hear about capital. I feel that one should take a dynamic view on that, looking at its evolution, not just statically. Firstly, let's not forget that the sharp improvement in the asset quality profile of the Greek banks would allow for a lower cost of risk and thus for an improvement to the bank's profitability. Secondly, organic capital generation will be further supported by the volume growth that we're all expecting from the RRF. And finally, we need to recall that Greek banks have significant capacity to issue non-dilutive regulatory capital instruments.
1: Thank you very much for that. I mean, I think that gives a path, it's not an easy path, but the progress that has been made is huge and it certainly provides a trajectory to maintain that, that progress. And I guess that takes us to our fourth theme, which is when you look at all of this banks generally have not been achieving attractive returns, or certainly as attractive returns as they would like for for investors in banks. And and there is a whole piece and a a whole huge amount of work in rebuilding the profitabilities of banks, looking at future business models, picking up on a number of those areas. Fokion, as you look to both the industry and your own bank and thinking about how the business model may change, how you may look to... Rethink kind of banking in the future. How are you taking that forward?
6: Yeah, thank you, Ajay. This is definitely a very interesting uh, question. Let me uh, start from a few things that uh, Paul uh, mentioned. He made a very thorough analysis of the forces which are shaping the European banking uh, industry, as we speak, and indeed the low interest rate environment, regulation, and the technology are the main forces uh, which are shaping the, the banking industry. Um, Paul also discussed uh, what we experience in terms of uh, digital transformation. I would agree with everything that he said. But um, I think we would agree between ourselves that the digital transformation is not the future uh, banking business model, it is an enabler, maybe the most important enabler of dealing with all the forces which are active in the banking landscape as we speak. However, as technology becomes a commodity, all banks will move in this direction sooner rather than later. And the question is what would differentiate each bank from another? What would differentiate the leaders from the laggards? And in my view, uh, there exist two differentiating factors which we should take into account. One is the human factor. Despite the shift towards digital challenge, which is inevitable, the human factor in banking will remain very crucial. However, not for uh, the same transactions that it used to be in the past, but for the advisory services that any customer, either this is an individual or a business would require. In my opinion, in the future banking business model, any individual customer would feel that uh, the bank should offer a holistic advisory about his needs, life coach, as well. And this should include not only banking, should include also insurance, wealth management, estate planning, and so on and so forth. And equally, a bank should act as a business coach for companies offering a number of services including setting up the right ecosystems around each of the of the companies so this is the the first differentiating factor the second one has to do with the way that the banks will use data the the use of data will change dramatically the current operating models in a number of areas the credit origination the risk warnings, the campaign management sales, but also in fields in which regulators put a lot of emphasis more and more, like the fight against financial crime. The successful use of data will define the operating efficiency of each bank, and as a result, the level of profitability. So efficiency and the profitability and use of data, I think, in the future banking business model are coming all together. Now, on top of the above, I believe that the future banking business model should address adequately the ESG challenge. The bank should be able to prove that they finance environmentally friendly projects. They should be able to demonstrate continuously their social responsibility and to excel in governance, acting as a role model for the rest of the corporate world. Now, all the above, what I mentioned obviously applies uh, to every bank in uh, in Europe, applies also to all four uh, Greek banks. At Eurobank, given the progress that we have made in dealing with the legacy issues of the 10 year long financial crisis, you know that we have completed a radical cleanup of our balance sheet quite recently, we have already started thinking about the next period for the bank and the respective challenges in terms of our business model. And to this extent, we are launching a major transformation plan along the lines that I highlighted to make EuroBank of 2030 a real leader
1: in the region. Okay, thank you very much. Look, I'm very conscious of time. We have about 10 minutes left in this panel. So I'm going to ask probably a few questions of you all, uh, but I'd ask you all to keep the responses uh, snappy and brief. Um, Martin, just very quickly, are there a couple of trends that you see in the broader Eurozone which are equally relevant uh, for Greek banks?
2: Yeah, I think several things I've already mentioned, uh, but maybe just to pick out one, I think that is a, a I think a, a key challenge in, in in Europe in general, is of course the profitability challenge and uh, uh, how to be profitable in a yo- low yield and uh, environment. Uh, now, there's a lot that, that 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 can be said about that. I think low profitability is due to combination of, say, structural factors and cyclical factors, and uh, say the 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 you know, the solution is you know different depending also on the business model of the banks. So it's very difficult to be um, um, uh, specific about that. But I think volumes, um, new business volumes is important. Revenue diversification could be a way. We've always say we've always said costs cost uh, streamlining and digitalization. Um, but I think for the Greek banks, re- really the key priority is the, is the is the asset quality challenge that is really, uh, and, and we've said it in this so clear- I, take that. I think that's
1: a great one to ask. So, um, Christos, why don't I start with yourself? I have Two questions, and again, um, we're gonna keep it snappy, but what do banks need to do to improve profitability and, and what might you be doing in the next 12 months?
3: Christos, you're on mute. Here we are. The big challenge, of course, is uh, the stock of MPEs that needs to come down, including any potential COVID MPE flows. And of course, uh, you know, given the low-rate environment, operational uh, efficiency and profitability that will create linear models Uh, for the banks. I think all of us are uh, uh, moving in that direction. And as far as Pireus Bank is concerned, we have uh, three pillars, a transformation plan that is uh, up and running, the NPE plan, which uh, will be reducing our NPEs, and of course, a capital enhancement plan that will complement all the above. And uh, being efficient and, and driving to Uh, to ratios that are best in class in Europe, I think is going to be the key for uh, the Greek banking uh, system. And uh, I'm very glad to say
1: that we are all of us moving in that direction. Thank you. And Paul, I guess, you know, Martin mentioned the profitability challenge. It would be good to get your thoughts on, you know, you touched on digital, that's clearly a key component. What else is uh, around the profitability challenge and, and again your view on the next 12 months
4: Clearly uh, cost is going to be key um, the, the cost base of European banks and uh, I would also add the Greek banks is, is high and uh, digital and technology will, uh, will, will help it bring, it, bring it down uh, the branch network uh, is going to be a different animal from what it used to be Uh, to serve a different need, uh, what I mentioned and what uh, Paki had mentioned, the advisory uh, role rather than the transaction uh, role. So fewer branches with more uh, concentrated services. Uh, Then the other thing I think which is more relevant for Greek banks is cross-sell. The Greek, uh, both corporate as well as household, uh, doesn't use the ancillary services as much as as elsewhere our fees as as a result are a low share of both revenue or assets or whatever metric you want so we will need to work on 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 fees and their two sectors are asset management uh, and insurance which uh, i think are highly underpenetrated and will uh, have uh, potential for growth
1: thank you paul and I guess just to look forward into the economy, uh, Vasilius, how should banks be supporting the economy and, and, and what do you think will be the priorities in the next 12 months?
5: Well, I think as far as the challenges is concerned, we don't need to repeat them. Um, all uh, presenters before have mentioned them. One additional challenge, I think I should say in the Greek context is the payment culture, which is at risk. I think let's let's bear that in mind because that is gonna be an important challenge. I think in the short term, the Greek banks, and Chris has elaborated on that before, are doing a good job in uh, um, filling in the pandemic-induced credit uh, gap uh, of their customers by offering both forbearances and loan. And um, looking into the medium term, I think uh, we shouldn't be having any doubts that uh, the RRF will play a key role. And this means that this, this program may be, you know, Greece may be lucky after all, and having this program bringing in the missing equity and also providing significant liquidity to transform. But the timely execution of that is of enormous importance. And I think the banks have here a clear role to play. On the one hand, they can quickly mobilize their business customers and help them shape up their investment propositions in a way that it will ensure their eligibility under the RRF, but at the same time also comply with the bank credit standards, and therefore, the bank should be involved not only as a mechanism for the optimal distribution um, of deposits, but also as an advisor. This will allow them to mobilize this investment towards digital and Greek transitions, uh, towards exports, towards innovation, and creating economies of scale, which again is important for the Greek economy. So in other words, we're going to be getting in into the picture as engines of growth through a multitude of roles, financial market intermediaries, investors, and employers. And because I believe also the political will is quite strong, along with the financial support, we may be able to get even an additional benefit, which is to create again, very specific roles within the Greek economy which may attract back people that have been abroad, so reversing the drain.
1: And, and lastly, Fokion, to bring us to a close, I think we've talked in many ways about you know the, all of the efforts that the banks are making, but I guess to look forward to what may happen to perhaps more positive momentum around the economy. It would be good to get your sense around how banks support growth and, and support actually the positive engines of growth for the year ahead.
6: Yeah, in my view, one of the most important tasks that we have for, for, for next year is to, to help the economy to bridge the huge investment gap that exists. And this is what Martin uh, mentioned in his uh, introduction, this is maybe more than 100 billion euros um, investment gap that has been created uh, as a result of the 10-year-long financial crisis. And to this extent, the role of the banks within the RRF is important. The government has opted for a model in which banks will play a vital role in the evaluation of investment projects for the RRF loans, That means that such projects should obtain approval for banks financing for about 40% of their budget before they qualify for receiving another 40% funding from the fund directly. However, overall, I think that although we have gone through a very unique uh, year, the economy has shown signs of resilience. We have seen FDI kept coming into the country in a number of sectors. We have seen real estate prices uh, that were quite resilient and did not decline and the greek partner system is far more robust today than it was last year and if i could make a prediction prediction i'm convinced that a year from now we will be in a clearly better state in terms of NPs, despite inflows that we may have to the pandemic so in this environment, i think as the economy pick up, picks up and I expect the economy to pick up, especially the second half of 2021. I would expect increased appetite for banking products and services, both for households and businesses. And uh, closing with the capital markets that also Martin mentioned in his introduction, I would expect that IPOs will soon come back to the Athens stock exchange after a very long period.
1: Of no such activity Pokion thank you very much we are out of time uh, I want to thank everyone on the panel for all of their contributions today it's been a really fascinating discussion I certainly have learned a huge amount from from everyone's insights I guess three takeaways from me as part of this was that uh, firstly whilst it's been a tough year there's been real signs of resilience and for it has been one of the positive stories that we've been able to talk about how banks have supported the economy, supported their borrowers, and enabled some of the shock to be lessened and spread. And lastly, it seems to me that there are clear plans across a whole range of themes to both improve customer service, widen access to financial products, and continue to deal with the legacy. So both deal with the past, but also... To create a really positive future agenda for greek banking thank you all and nicholas back to you
0: well i would like to thank you uh, for a great discussion and uh, i will call, i mean it, it, this is a, a key sector for the economy for the country and all i will say is that uh, the theme of our conference this year is looking ahead with confidence last year the theme was greece is back now we are back And now we're looking ahead with confidence and clearly we could not have confidence without uh, a solid uh, Greek banking system. So I really appreciate very much the uh, time and the insight that you shared about the solidity and uh, uh, an outlook of the Greek banking system and why we can all be confident on a broader scale. So thank you very much to all of you. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Pavlos for Kion. Christos, uh, Vasilis, and uh, of course, special thanks to our expert moderator. Thank you very much. Thank you.
4: Thank you, uh, Nicholas. Thanks for taking, uh, doing this on digi- digitally this year, despite the uh, constraints.
0: Let me tell you, last February, I did not know what Zoom was. Now I am a Zoom guru, like I presume everybody else. But, c'est la vie. <laughs> Thank you to everybody. Thank,
1: Thank you. Thank, Thank, you. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Bye-bye.